the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is The Tom Sumner Program, and uh, my guest this hour, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour, is a female veteran and, um, and author of a new book called Measure Twice, Cut Once, and she uh, joins me now by phone. And her name is Allison Jones. Allison, welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for welcoming me. I appreciate the time. Um, I, I want to ask about um, your background as a, as a veteran and, and how that led to you becoming an author and ultimately an entrepreneur. Well, um, as a veteran, um, basically I grew up in a pretty strict household, and I believe that as a veteran, it basically redefined some things for me in terms of orderliness and also um, resiliency. And so um, early on in my life, I suffered some sexual trauma, and um, I basically kind of closeted things and repressed things. Um, and so the book itself is partly autobiographical, but it's also broken up into two parts because of the nature of toxic relationships that I'd experienced both as a professional woman, as an executive, as a woman in the military, and also as a youngster growing up. So. I think that all of them kind of were an amalgamation of things that uh, brought me to the understanding that maybe I need to uh, begin my own narrative. 
And you, um, in this book, you're trying to inspire other women who might want to become entrepreneurs. And with your background, with a strict upbringing, and then spending time in the military, which which is more important, do you think, Allison? Discipline or motivation? I really believe there's a, it, it takes both, but I don't think you can do um, either without the other. You have to be motivated to be disciplined, and you have to be disciplined to be motivated. And so I don't. I think they're interchangeable, but they're also both very much required in anything. Particularly, the book actually focuses um, on um, on toxic relationships, and it focuses on relationships in general, whether it be work, personal, interpersonal, family, friends, etc. But I do think that if a woman is considering entrepreneurship, she's going to have to. Um, be able to stand in her power, her personal power. And the one way that you can do that is by honing your craft, knowing your industry, and also making certain that you have all the tools and resources required to excel. How did you decide to um, turn your attention to helping other people address um, well, navigating negativity with uh, toxic relationships. Well, I turned my attention to it because what I found, I spent um, over two decades um, in HR, um, both as an entrepreneur and as a senior executive. And HR is the business of people. Um, HR is what keeps um, global industry working. Because let's be honest, Tom, I mean, basically, no employees, um, no business. And so HR is the heart of any, any, not just organization, but any country. And so um, HR is what people kind of call in the industry other people's problems. And it taught. <laughs> I, I I shouldn't find that as funny as I do, but I I couldn't help it. It is so true because you know people come to you when there's something wrong with their pay or their benefits, or if they want to be promoted, or if they're about to be terminated, or if they're being counseled adversely, and so all of these things I got to see up close how this not only affects people at the job but what happens to them when they go home um, under those conditions, when they're worried or anxious, and they bring that back to the workplace and vice versa. And so I became very interested in that dynamic, how what we do for a living or not do for a living because maybe we're not working in our passion, we're just you know, doing what we have to do, and how that really impacts people in general mentally and emotionally and physically. So I became really interested in that work. And how much personal information do you really get when you're working in, uh, in HR or um, whether it's for a company or, or yourself? Uh, are, are people coming to you and saying, you know, my, my aunt in Spokane is sick and I have to go there for two weeks or what 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 kinds of personal things do you learn about people mm -hmm. in roles like you've held? 
where a true um, HR professional knows that there are laws that are quite prohibited when it comes to what we call PII or personal identifiable information. However, because of bereavement leave, because of um, leave without pay, because of um, ADA compliance or things like that, the conversations can get very personal. I personally have been um, sitting across from people who are openly weeping, both men and women, who have lost loved ones, who are struggling with debt, um, who are just going through very overwhelming challenges. And so part of our job as HR people is not to placate the wound, but rather reassure the person and then hopefully try and find a viable solution that's reasonable for within the organization if we can help. But they can share pretty much as much as they want, but I would always advise a, an HR professional, be very careful of what you allow people to say um, because some of that stuff can go on the record. And you don't want to set a person up for other discriminatory practices later. Who are you directing the bulk of of the advice that can be garnered from the book Measure Twice, Cut Once, Too? Anyone who goes through relationships that are cyclical, diminishing, demeaning, anyone who has had relationships, any relationship, you can be at the job with a coworker, a peer, or a superior who speaks at you, <clears throat> speaks to you, <clears throat> excuse me, in a demeaning way or disrespectful, and because you don't address it, they amp it up and start to harass. Um, toxicity can come in the form of marriages where there are microaggressions, where maybe your partner says things like, you know, I hate the way this tastes but they eat it anyway, <laughs> being <laughs> passive-aggressive while they're moaning through it um, or telling you you don't look good in something um, or ignoring you, the silent treatment. It could be relational parental uh, or sibling um, where, you know, your parents are perhaps um, pushing you toward the leaning to a decision that you don't feel comfortable about. So toxicity is a very real thing in the body. And when we don't address it, what tends to happen is it takes on a physical form where it can create headaches and uh, gastrointestinal issues, heart palpitations, and anxiety. So this book is garnered towards anyone who may be experiencing um, a relationship that they know feels bad in their body, but they're just not sure what do I do? But I should also make the note that it's split into two parts because it takes two people in a relationship. So I address the behaviors even on our part that we may be um, falling prey to, and maybe we're not even aware that we are exhibiting some form of toxicity in our response to the toxic behavior. We're coming up on the end of uh, Women's History Month, and, and I, I just wondered what what from the book can you share that that um, serves as advice for aspiring female entrepreneurs I would definitely say particularly for women's history month 
I know that we as women, we have made tremendous strides. I mean, come on, we have a female vice president of the United States of America. Just over 100 years ago, women weren't even permitted to vote. We had no voice in many, many ways. So we've accomplished a great deal of things. But I think for Women's History Month, what I would say to women as an advocate for women's causes is it's time for each of us to stop being so complacent about our roles in society, in our homes, in our work life. It's time for us to be heard. I think that it's very, very important that if you see something, say something. If you are not being promoted and you are not um, being paid equally, I think that women should know their worth and put interest on it. I think that um, women's empowerment has become kind of just a tagline because a lot of women don't realize that true female empowerment, um, yes, it comes in the form of groups of many, but it starts first with the individual. So knowing your personal power is very important um, to push uh, women's causes and American and global causes, because let's be honest, the world doesn't move without women. That's just the truth of the matter. It just does not exist without women. And I think that women need to understand that and use um, that power to gain some momentum and things that will help future generations and help our country and our earth as a whole. Um. Just out of curiosity, uh, Allison, when did you write the book? Wow. I started writing the book 11 years ago. Really? <laughs> See, I thought this yes. might have been a, a, a COVID project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I finished it during COVID, but um, actually I started writing it just to let you know the... Uh, the impetus of the book was the toxic relationship that I shared with my mother. My mother and I were in a very bad place when she passed away suddenly, and we weren't on good terms. And so I was left with this feeling Ouch. of emptiness. My mother and I had a very toxic relationship, um, and it was, it was difficult um, as a child growing up under those circumstances. And so um, I had to heal. I had to find a way to heal. And so with years of therapy, um, more holistic practices like meditation, yoga, learning who I am, spending more time in introspection, um, I decided, okay, during COVID, let me go ahead and finish this. But the book originally was quite voluminous because I think I was so busy trying to point fingers and tell my story that I wasn't looking at the lessons, ah. and once I looked at the what, why am I writing this book? What do I want the reader to come away with? Allison, I have to it put a comma there because I have to go to break. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more and we'll Absolutely. pick it up there? My guest is Allison Jones. She is the author of Measure Twice, Cut Once, Navigating Negativity in Toxic Relationships. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words uh, or whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Stay tuned. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We uh, continue our conversation with the author of Measure Twice, Cut Once, Navigating Negativity in Toxic Relationships, Allison Jones. And Allison joins me by phone. Allison, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. It's sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no, thank you so much. <laughs> Um, just before the break, we were talking about uh, the process of writing the book, but I can't help asking, how did you decide on the title, Measure Twice, Cut Once? Well, kind of from the carpenter's tale in the Bible, I guess, had something to do with it. Um, but also, it was quite meaningful because the last conversation with my mother, I told her um, that I loved her but that I couldn't continue with the cycle um, and that I, you know, little did I know that would be the last time we would speak. But in saying that, I did what I had to do for myself because at the time I was actually recovering from a major, major issue um, that almost I almost died and I was recovering from it and yet in the space my mother was in, she just was unable to kind of put things aside. The cycle, it was so deeply ingrained, she couldn't set it aside long enough to understand my daughter's in recovery. And so to save myself, I had to kind of cut the relationship um, so that I could heal. And so that's my way of telling people you know, if you're go if you if a relationship is that toxic that it's creating chaos in, in the body and in the mind, et cetera, you have to do what you have to do. But please measure it carefully and then measure it again to see if it can be salvaged before making cuts. And even if you have to cut the relationship, try to do so with compassion, empathy and love. Do you think there are lessons in your book for that that would help with the kind of toxic relationships we have in the public forum and I'm thinking of just this this great political divide that we have in this country that seems to be at times on the verge of civil war. Uh-huh. And I think that's rooted in the I'm right and you're wrong. We have so many people. It's even worse than that, Allison. It's yeah, I'm yeah. right and you're a moron. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, people are like really strong with their views. And I agree, Tom. I think what's happened is we've lost civil discourse because quite often when we're so mired and married to what we believe, a lot of people seek out those who mirror that. And I consider that just being very lazy and stubborn. How hard is it to have a conversation with someone with different views and still be able to walk away with a sense of self with mutual respect? And to illustrate my point, I recently had a conversation with a, a white gentleman who is quite ultra conservative and our views are vastly different. Yet we came to the understanding as not only Americans, but as human beings, that we have more in common than we have differences. We have the all of us want the same things, Tom. We want, you know, food on our tables, a roof over our head. We want safety and security. We want our children to be okay. We want education. We want infrastructure. 
We, you know, we all want the same things. The problem is, I think the division has come, whether it's racially charged, gender charged, what have you, is that we are so mired and married to our feelings and perceptions of things that we're not opening up ourselves to at least hear, hear and acknowledge what other people are saying. You know, we're just closed off. Before they even open their mouths, I have my opinion. It doesn't matter what you say, even if it's a valid point. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Can we can we start the process of, of bridging that divide um, person to person as, as you experienced with this conversation that you had recently? Or is it really incumbent on leaders like Jill Biden and Kamala Harris and various governors around the country to set that example? Personally, I think it starts at the micro within our own homes. Um, I can't expect anyone on high to fix anything if my own household is not in order. I vote based on, yeah, we all vote based on our opinion of what the person will do. But I'll be quite frank with you. As it pertains to politics, it's all partisan. I was a part of the Washington, D.C. area as a senior executive for over 15 years. And what people need to understand, it doesn't matter if it's Obama, Biden, Trump, or anyone else. In D.C., it's about money. It has nothing to do with constituency. It has nothing to do with making the world better or America better. It's about lobbying and who's paying and who's cutting the checks. I think that's so true that in means, state capitals, too, Allison. Oh, absolutely. And, and what tends to happen, Tom... The people that vote for them, they get to Washington or they, or they get voted in and they, you know, you see them in those appearances and then they kind of disappear and you hear how they vote later. But I think what's happening is at our own home, we have to start as people. In order for us to heal as a nation, as a world, we have to start having critical conversations and be open to just the difference of opinion. It is not the end of the world, we're individuals. We're supposed to be different, you know? So why can't I have a difference of opinion? My experiences are not yours. So I do agree with you. I think in order to turn the page in this country, there must be a willingness to step out of our comfort zone and start to at least have dialogue with others who have differences of opinion and find common ground. The uh, another question that that I had, and I'm trying to figure out exactly how to how to frame it. But a lot of people have been under a lot of stress this last year because of the pandemic. It has probably caused some domestic issues, you know, with people spending way more time <laughs> together than they oh, used to. Oh. Um, oh, but oh, also, oh. a lot of people have lost jobs or had businesses that that were forced to close mm -hmm. what what do you have to say for people as as we now look possibly to at least the beginning of the end of this cycle and people start coming out of the pandemic um and and what they can do to heal relationships that have been damaged by the pandemic 
but also um, to get their professional lives on a on a sure footing. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard one because when you pour your life into something to see it go away from conditions that are completely beyond your control as this pandemic was, it can leave you with a sense of not only depression and bitterness, but it can also leave you with a sense of overwhelming loss. It's like a death. And so um, I typically tell people, I also am a a success coach and a manifestation coach, and I talk to people quite often about how to kind of reframe yourself first because jumping back in before um, giving some attention to what's happening on with the inside of you um, can be even more damaging because then it's, it's still an overwhelming process to rebuild the business or the brand or get a new job. It's a process, and you may hear no, and that can be depressing. So I think that people need to take stock of themselves first to gain some sense of resiliency inside of themselves um, before approaching certain things. Because when you hear no or something doesn't go your way, it can kind of knock you down again and make you feel like, when is this going to end? And in terms of even the pandemic itself, I work for a coalition to end sexual and domestic violence. Our hotline before the pandemic, we may have gotten a suicide call once or twice a month. That jumped to 200 calls of domestic um, violence reporting and suicide and things like that, those kinds of calls within a month. Um, It just jumped up, and we didn't have the resources. And so, again, it's a moment to take stock when you've been – kind of captured in a home with someone who may be abusing you. So, again, I advise people to kind of use this time before getting back out to our new normal, whatever that's going to look like. Become a citizen. I get it. I hate, oh, I don't know about you, Tom, but I hate wearing that mask. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I hate wearing that mask, but at the same time, I want to get back to some sense of normal. And if it means for a couple of years, that's what I have to do, just like when a traffic light goes up for the greater good of society, I'm going to do it. Because for those who are saying, I'm not going to do it, let's just do what we need to do for now so that we can get back to business and life. You know, we need to get back to our lives. Have you done the vaccine? As a matter of fact, my husband and I are both veterans who are waiting for the one shot. Oh, okay. Um, because we have comorbidity, and so, you know, two shots give us a little more symptoms that, than we want. Um, we both suffer from some things from the military. Um, so we're waiting on the one shot. Um, but, yeah, we're going to take the vaccine. Um, we want to do our part as citizens. We love our family and our friends. We don't want to put anyone in harm's way. Um, so... I don't want to admonish anyone or make anyone feel bad for their opinion of wearing a mask or social distancing. All I'm saying is don't complain about you want to get back to normal and then prohibit the process. Don't be a hypocrite. Well, yeah, don't prevent progress. 
Right. I'm I'm doing the double shot, so and I'm I'm I've been joking that I'm at at this point half vexed. <laughs> <laughs> You're half vaccinated. You know? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, a couple weeks I go for the second shot, but um, but that's one of the things that I you know I think we need to do that. I think we need to keep wearing the masks at, at least till we get to that herd immunity and and we can yes. engage each other again safely. Yes. Yes. I don't know about you, but I miss hugs. I, <laughs> I miss visiting my friends and having cocktails. Yeah, you know, I'm a I hugger. I'm a hugger, you know, and and I do I, miss, I miss my that. cocktail parties. <laughs> I do, I do. So if it means a little discomfort for a little while, just let's let's do it, America. We've gone through worse. We can do this. Let's get to herd immunity, so we can get back to some sense of normalcy, please. Well, let's let's get back to some of the points uh, in the book. Um, Measure Twice, Cut Once is the name of the book. It's by Allison Jones, and uh, the subtitle is Navigating Negativity in Toxic Relationships. And I'm reminded of a, a, a comedian I saw once who said, um, you know, if you've been married five times, maybe it's you. Um, <laughs> what, what, what if the negativity is us how do we learn to recognize that we're what's causing the toxicity in a given situation how do we how do we admit that to ourselves and and then try to turn it to a positive you just hit the nail on the head admission admission is the first thing you know unless you're the age of two even two-year-olds know when they're wrong so I find it really hard to believe if a person has lived in their body more than 10, 20, 30, 40 years, they don't know. I refuse to believe that. They're just playing the role of being ignorant. So admission is a big part of it. You know when you make, when you make a comment that's off, you know, a microaggression type comment. You know when you're being rude. You know when you're saying something that will get under someone's skin. We know how to, you know, get under there. Um, and again, we get caught up in the cycle. And so a big part of that is what you said. It's admission. It's having an honest heart-to-heart conversation. It's something I had to also do because I realized while writing the book, I played a bigger role than I imagined I had in the toxicity by, you know, not calling my mother back for long periods of time because I was angry. Um, that's passive-aggressive. I realized that some of my behavior of um, just sitting there on the phone and giving her a plain yes or no answer without elaborating, you know, that's a, a, a form of silent treatment. It's punishment. So I had to take a step back and look at my behavior and say, wait a minute, this isn't right. You know, this isn't how you're supposed to treat people that you care about. Why am I doing that? And when I realized that I was doing it from a place of fear and I was coming from a place of rejection and I knew I had to address my past traumas and my pain, and that's when it came full circle for me. And I realized, Tom, a lot of people do not want to take a look in the mirror because they don't want to, they don't want to look at what, you know, they don't want to know what they're going to find out. They don't want to see the real person within. But I challenge people, do it anyway. 
It'll make you not only a better person, but a better asset to humanity. What do you do? Um, what what work are you doing now, Allison? Um, and and what will you be doing now that the book's done? And as as we move forward from the pandemic, um, what what what's what's your gig now? <laughs> Well, yeah, I am still promoting the book, but I'm, I still have ownership of my original company. My HR firm is now located in Arizona. I actually retired um, about five years ago in D.C. and then brought the company back, and literally months later, the pandemic hit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the timing. But I do have an HR company that specializes in HR solutions uh, to include business coaching, um, and we take clients on an, a per- client bases, and we kind of specialize in women entrepreneurs and small businesses. I also have The Allison Jones, which is basically my website where I um, delve into manifestation, motivation, um, helping people to realize their dreams and pull them forward. Um, and um, as I said, I'm a success coach. I don't say life coach because it's your life. I can help you with the success of it, but I don't know about the rest. <laughs> um, <laughs> and finally, I'm a business professor. I teach business in Arizona, and um, I did take a hiatus to promote the book. So I'm kind of in quite have my hands in quite a few things. My friends tell me I'm the busiest retiree they've ever met. I'm actually talking to you now from Denver, Colorado, <laughs> where I'm leaving today because I was here with a client, one of my business clients. Oh, okay. Um, is there snow on the ground still? Oh, just very little, and the weather was perfect while I was here. Oh, 70, well, that's good. Seventy-five. Oh, it was good. Awesome. Oh, good, because yeah. they had a lot of snow fairly recently, and that'd be a little tough yeah. to take for somebody traveling from Arizona. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you grew up in Chicago, right? Yes, yeah, so I am no stranger to snow. And and it's so funny, when I see people freaking out over a couple of inches of snow or some rain, I just shake my head because I, I think to myself, yeah, come I'm, on. I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm. You're in Missouri. No, Michigan. Based in Michigan. Michigan. Oh, my God. Mid-Michigan. So you're on, on Lake Michigan. Yep. So I know you guys get very cold weather. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. And and much, actually, climate-wise, much where I am in mid-Michigan is uh, much like Chicago. Oh, yeah. In terms so you guys of, get a lot of snow, too, then. Yeah, we do. Um, so why did you pick Arizona after Washington, D.C.? Climate? You know what? It wasn't <laughs> even on our list. It wasn't on our That's list. Funny. We thought we'd end up somewhere else. We were looking at other states, and we visited a few times, and we found that Arizona, um, yeah, the climate is good except for the summers, which no one warned us about. Um, but <laughs> it's a very, yeah, it's a very friendly military town. And after uh -huh. my husband spent 30 years, he was uh, he's a 30-year veteran. Um, I'm a veteran, as I mentioned. We like being in close-knit communities. We're just used to that feel of kind of a community feel. Um, and so we find that when you're in more urban areas, you don't know your neighbor's names and things like that. And we wanted to continue to have the experience of a smaller 
you know, we live in kind of a an offset suburb that's actually only 14 years old. It's growing uh, by leaps and bounds, but it's only 14 years old, and so it still has a very small town feel. People speak, and they're very friendly, and, and, and we love that. We love that. Right now, it's the best thing in the world, and I say to all of your listeners, a sense of community can really help bring back a sense of feeling like we're moving the needle in our country. You know, um, I to, uh, yesterday when I was in Denver, they had a little thing, a street fair thing. People were wearing their masks, but you had restaurant vendors, and people were speaking to each other and stopping to talk, and, and it felt really good, Tom. It really did, just spending time with each other. And I think that's something people need to try and find a way to fellowship with well, I'm I'm still fingers crossed that uh, President Biden was uh, on target when he said that uh, um, with uh, vaccinations on the the path thereon that we might be able to loosen up a little bit around the Fourth of July. I, I'm I'm looking forward to a barbecue with a handful of family and friends. Oh, wonderful! Wouldn't that be great? Well, it's it's. It's been a long time, this sheltering at home business. And and like you, a couple of months before the, the pandemic, I moved the studio home. I had my own studio and I, I moved it to uh, to home and I thought I was going to be so unique, you know, doing my show from home. Little and did you know, you were a leader. A couple, <laughs> yeah, a couple months later, everybody's working from home, so... And anyway, you were one of the first. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I wasn't trying to be an example. I just was doing my thing, and all of a sudden everybody else was doing my thing. So, well, cool. <laughs> um, but uh, are, are you going to do some more writing? I am. I'm actually working on um, my second book, which I hope will come out next year. And that book um, will be kind of a follow-up. To the first and it's called measuring matters but this time I'm taking a little bit of a different approach the approach on the second book will be um, getting stories from other people talking about resiliency and healing and how they heal their relationships I like to hear other people's perspective uh, well Allison it's been a real pleasure talking with you thanks for spending this time with me this morning the name of the book is Measure Twice, Cut Once, Navigating Negativity and Toxic Relationships by Allison Jones. A, uh, they can, yeah, they can get it on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or visit me on theallisonjones.com. Well, that's, that's what I was just going just gonna to ask is uh, what that website is. Yes, theallisonjones.com. You'll see plenty of interviews, content. I have a blog, the whole nine. And you can even send me a question. If you have an issue in a relationship, send me a question. I'll be more than happy to answer. Well, Allison, thanks again, and uh, best of luck with this book. And uh, and hopefully the second book won't take you 11 years to write. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> take care. Take care and be safe. You too. Bye-bye. Once again, Allison Jones, author of Measuring Twice, Cut Once, Navigating Negativity in Toxic Relationships. And we're going to take a short break and uh, let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, 
we're going to pause uh, for a few messages as well. And then one more segment of today's edition of the show. Stay tuned. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The brightest moment in any serviceman's day is mail call. That is, it's bright if there's mail. Let's go out to the company area for mail call. Okay, here we go. Settle down. Mail call. Settle down. Chat. Yo. Godlewski. Yo. Droz. Yo. Duncan. Yo, yo. <laughs> McDiamond. Yo. Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> Occupant. I don't know, it's a bar of soap. It says occupant on it. <laughs> Terran. Yeah. Gazentite. Yeah. Castellano. Yeah. Jimenez. The man is here. <laughs> oh, couple. Envelope, please. Now settle down, Jose. Just take this mailbag back to the mailroom. Take the mailbag? Back to the mailroom? I mean, there's, there's nothing for me? The only thing left is this bar of soap for occupants. You can have that. I'll take that. <laughs> Listen, uh, Corporal, could I ask you a favor? Sure. The next mail call, could you just call off my name anyway? Well, what do you mean, Jose? Well, see, every time I come out here the mail call and everybody else gets letters and there's never anything for me and it's very embarrassing. Well, why do you come out for mail call? Why don't you just stay in the barracks? I'd rather be embarrassed and lonely. <laughs> well, look, uh, how can I call out your name if you don't have a letter? Oh, I got a letter. I thought of that. Just hand me this one. This is the last one I got six months ago. Haven't, haven't had a letter since then. Well, who's the letter from? My devoted girlfriend. <laughs> Your devoted girlfriend? Yeah, she doesn't devote very good. Anyway, I'll tell you something. In this letter, I, I 
kind of get the feeling maybe she's not so crazy about me anymore. You know, if you if you kind of read between the lines, you could tell. If you read between the lines, well, what does she say? Well, I'll read it to you. Dear sir, <laughs> my husband and I were wondering. I've only comparatively recently emerged from the United States Army, so that I am now, of course, in the radioactive reserve. And the usual jokes about the Army aside, one of the many fine things one has to admit is the way that the Army has carried the American democratic ideal to its logical conclusion in the sense that not only do they prohibit discrimination on the grounds of race, creed, and color, but also on the grounds of ability. <laughs> Be that as it may, some of you may recall the publicity a few years ago attendant upon the Army's search for an official Army song to be the counterpart of the Navy's Anchors Away and the Air Force's Up in the Air, Junior Birdman, and so on. <laughs> I, uh, I was in basic training at the time, and I recall our platoon sergeant, who was an unfrocked Marine. <laughs> Actually, the change of service had come as quite a blow to him because it meant that he had to memorize a new serial number which took up most of his time. <laughs> At any rate, I recall this sergeant's informing me and my roommates of, uh, <laughs> of this rather deplorable fact that the Army didn't have any official, excuse me, didn't have no official song. <laughs> and uh, suggested, suggested that we work on this in our copious free time. <laughs> well, I submitted the following song, which is called It Makes a Fellow Proud to Be a Soldier, which I think demonstrates the proper spirit, you'll agree. However, the fact that it did not win the contest, I can ascribe only to blatant favoritism on the part of the judges. platoon must swell with pride for the nation's youth the cream of which is marching at his side for the fascinating rules and regulations that we share and the quaint and curious costumes that we're called upon to wear now al joined up to do his part defending you and me he wants to fight and bleed and kill and die for liberty. With the hell of war, he's come to grips, policing up the filter tips. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. When Pete was only in the seventh grade, he stabbed a cop. He's real RA material, and he was glad to swap his switchblade and his old zip gun for a bayonet and a new M1. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. After Johnny got through basic training, he was a soldier through and through when he was done. Its effects were so well rooted that the next day he saluted a good humor man, an usher, and a nun. <laughs> now, Fred's an intellectual, brings a book to every meal. He likes the deep philosophers, like Norman Vincent Peale. <laughs> He thinks the army's just the thing because he finds it broadening. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. 
flunked out of second grade and never finished school. He doesn't know a shelter half from an entrenching tool, but he's going to be a big success. He heads his class at OCS. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. Our old mess sergeant's taste buds have been shot off in the war. But his savory collations add to our esprit de corps To think of all the marvelous ways they're using plastics nowadays It makes a fella proud to be a soldier Our lieutenant is the up-and-coming type Played with soldiers as a boy, you just can't bet It is written in the stars He will get his captain's bars But he hasn't got enough box tops yet <laughs> Our captain has a handicap to cope with, sad to tell. He's from Georgia, and he doesn't speak the language very well. He used to be, so rumor has, the dean of men at Alcatraz. It makes a fella proud to be what as a kid I vowed to be. What luck to be allowed to be a soldier at ease. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Summer Program.com The Tom Summer Program.com From the Tom Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. What an interesting uh, roundup we had. In fact, uh, this last hour, talking with the author of Measure Twice, Cut Once, Na uh, Navigating Negativity in Toxic Relationships, from uh, a female veteran who now serves as prime resource to uh, help Heal Broken Relationships. Her name is Allison Jones, and it was a pleasure talking with uh, Allison this morning. Before that, we uh, talked with Norman Bacall, a former attorney turned author. He has a new book called Take Charge, The Skills That Drive Professional Success. And we started out uh, with um, a look back at uh, historic Hollywood and uh, the author of a biography about Patricia Neal called An Unquiet Life. We talked with um, Stephen Michael Shearer. Anyway, uh, stay tuned. Tomorrow is uh, Armchair Politics. I hope you'll join us for that. In the uh, meantime, that's Smoke and George. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. So, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.